The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Live Healthy, Be Healthy with Dr. Jim Fox and Dr. Janine Fox. Our show is based on science-backed information on alternative and natural approaches to health. You'll hear the clinical pearls, real-life stories about real patients and situations. It all comes together so that you can live your best health. Now, here are the Doctors Fox. And good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live Healthy, Be Healthy. I'm Dr. Jim. And I'm Dr. Janine. And we're going to bring you another episode of Live Healthy, Be Healthy tonight. And, of course, we always start out with a little segment we yep. call In, In the, the News. News. Right. And this this has actually been, a, um, I would say, an interesting time in yeah, the news. Yeah, actually, there was quite a few things we had to pick. A few out of the bunches that we actually got this week. Actually, we could have probably done a whole hour show just on just stuff. Just on what was in the news. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the first one that we're going to talk about is vitamin D. We talk about vitamin D a lot. We do. Um, they showed this was actually done. The study was in Finland. And it actually showed that low childhood vitamin D levels are linked to adult or sclerosis, mm-hmm. which is... Kind of amazing. Yeah, well, I think it's really amazing. You know, they, they looked at, and the nice thing about this, uh, they looked at like 20, 2,148 subjects. Right, it wasn't just a couple people. No, no. And, and they, they started out with these young fans that uh, age 3 to 18, and that's their baseline. Then they, they watched them over the time until they got to be 30 to 45 years old, and then they checked the what we call the intima or the thickness of the uh, carotids going up the side of the neck, yeah. one feet in the brain, and they saw that it, it, it's a uh, it was pretty significant. Right. The they said the lower the level of vitamin D when they right. were young, the actual worse the problem was when they were getting older to actually look like they were going to have more cardiovascular disease as they aged. You know, and, and it's just a week or so ago, mom was doing blood work on all her kids she she had like three yeah <clears throat> and um she said do you really think it's necessary to do vitamin d and i said well sure i think it's extremely necessary that was before this came out right and yeah. this just shows you you want to know your kids vitamin d levels I mean, to tell because you, yeah. you don't want to overdo it you don't want to give them huge amounts they don't need but you also need to see where their level is to see what they do need and the only way to know that is testing. It is. I mean, it's time and time again. We've talked about that. And if you talk to any scientist, that's what they're going to tell you. You have to you test have to, know. to know what it is. Yeah. If not, you're guessing. Right. You know, so that was just an interesting one. And they definitely showed that there was actually a significant higher prevalence with the, of with cardiovascular the, disease in, in the, the kids with low vitamin D. Right. D. So, I mean, it was actually yeah. significant. And so that's actually just interesting. So it's just another Very reason to actually have your vitamin D levels checked. It is. Now, another one that kind of caught my eye, because <clears throat> this is kind of how we eat. Yes. Uh, it's about diet, okay? And they looked at the anti-inflammatory mechanism of dieting and fasting, okay? Now, when they talk about dieting, uh, well, we're going to get into that. But this was done at Yale University. So a big Ivy League school took it on. And they know that, you know, certain things like uh, fasting and so on and so forth can block uh, an immune system response 
called the, the inflammatome, in which the inflammatome is a series of things that happen in that uh, auto, um, uh, uh, different diseases. Different diseases. Actually, right. they show that the, yeah. the inflammasome drives mm-hmm. the inflammation response in yes. disorders like autoimmune diseases, type right. 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's, arteriosclerosis, any, any other inflammatory disorders. Right. And so that's what they were kind of looking at was, and at first they were looking at fasting and a low caloric restricted diet, which has been shown for years to actually we, increase longevity. We've known that forever. But of know. course, what the study showed was the consumption of a low carbohydrate diet yeah. did the same thing. A low-carbohydrate diet in what they call a ketogenic, ketogenic diet, diet, which right. means you're getting a little bit more fat or actually burning fat for energy. Right. Now, the, it, then they, they described how it worked as a mechanism called a beta-hydroxybutyrate, or BHB, that actually inhibits a gene set called the NLRP3. And there's so many genes, you know, uh, I'm all yeah. over. But anyhow, it, it inhibits this gene, and that's the one that sets up this... Uh, protein and, and sets off this inflammasome, which is a series of events that happens in the immune system. So, <clears throat> causing all this immune, uh, inflammation. But what was really interesting was, yes, fasting works. Yes, caloric restriction works. And yes, so does eating a low-carbohydrate, high-fat diet. Right. Now, you I always like want... Good fat. Good fat. Oh, now, yes. we, we kind of, you know, we never eat fried foods, nope. and we don't recommend eating deep-fried foods. Well, we don't eat out, so to speak. Right, because so if you that. eat out, you do get a lot of fried yeah, foods. Yes, you do. And but it, you it want is. good fat. I mean, the good fat, like the walnut oil and the, you know, and the omega-3 omega um, fatty acids, like even taking fish oil. Fish oil, right, for instance. And, and you know, it, even things like coconut oil, walnut and olive oil. oil. All, olive oil. All of those things are good fats. Staying away from the standard fats that most things are fried or cooked in, which is going to be your corn oil, your canola oil, and or the uh, peanut oil. Cottonseed oil is another oil one. Things. Yeah, they use that one a lot. You know, cheap junk, and, and they're putting it yeah, out Yeah, the cheap oils. I mean, yeah. you actually want good quality oils and yeah. with a lower, lower sugar. If you lower your sugar content, then you're eating a little bit lower carbohydrates anyway because things that, right. are, things that turn to sugar, you want to stay away from also, which is your high carbohydrates and breads. Mm-hmm. And but pastas I mean, and rices and things right. like that. Yeah, we always tell everybody, you know, stay away. The four foods to get rid of is the is the bread, the rice, the pasta, and the potatoes. Yes, those are the four big bad boys that will they'll put weight on you and they do all kind of damage to your immune system. Too. And interestingly, next week um, our show is actually we're going to have Dr. Cordain, which wrote yeah. the Paleo Diet, which Good. the Paleo definitely is. Lower carbohydrates as well, right? Um, and so higher fat, right. and higher fat, just fat. naturally. Mm-hmm. And he talks about why he's an anthropologist, so he's going to talk about why you should eat that way. So that would be exactly. interesting to listen to next week, just to see why you should eat that way. Right. And we got another study. And like I say, there were just so many of them. But we we really this one caught our eye. This one was one that everyone needs to know. Oh my goodness! And it's talking about, and this came from Oregon State. What the Mighty Ducks? Isn't that what they're called? I think. Is that the Oregon State or is it just Oregon? I got well, maybe I I'm not them. sure. Anyhow, anyhow, <laughs> I'm not positive. Don't mean to any disrespect to you guys. But it was also yeah. it was put on the National Institute of Health. Actually, was they one of the ones right. that actually funded it. But it was done at Oregon State University right. at the Medical Research Foundation. Mm-hmm. They talked about the overuse of antibiotics and actually the damage that it causes. And you know, everybody says, "Well, yeah, I know, I need to take a probiotic once I take an antibiotic for a while." Well, I'm going to tell you what, folks. This study shows that that's not enough. 
I mean, yeah. it really is. The, the headlines on the study was unwanted impact of antibiotics broader and more complex than previously known. Right. In other words, those unintended consequences, yes. right? And mm-hmm. they actually, or what they're saying, I mean, the, the study, they actually looked at what it did to the body after taking, they took like four different common antibiotics and they looked at what it did to the microbiota content of the gut. Right. And at first they used to think that, that was all it affected. Right. That's, that was and pretty much it. That's actually, why you take an probiotic after right. Yeah. But now they're finding that it's much more in detail than that. They said it's much more far-reaching. Yeah. And what they actually, and they said especially, now short-term antibiotics do it also, but long-term antibiotics are even worse. Uh, think about the kids on Accutane. Now, Accutane is it's more about the, the, tri- the tetracyclines. Right. Um, those are really harmful. Mm-hmm. And... Think about it, long-term use of antibiotics. You're setting these kids up to have problems the rest of their life. Yeah, because not only did it mess up their, the, the good bacteria in their gut, it actually damaged the endothelium or the lining of the gut. Yeah, and they damaged saw that they it. damaged it. And then even deeper than that, there's actually something called the mitochondria Which in the cells. A little fuel cell. Which are the little, yeah, that's where all your yeah. energy is made. That's where the energy produces the body, the ATP, mm-hmm. all that's made in the mitochondria. It is. They've actually even went as far to say that it actually damaged the mitochondria. Mm-hmm. And they think one reason why, and this was I thought was really interesting, that mitochondria descended from bacteria. Well, it, you know, when you look at uh, back in, in our studies many, 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 many years ago, they when you looked at that mitochondria, and you looked at a picture of a, uh, of, a know, of a bug, you know, a, a, or a some single sort of sort back, a single cell, right? Organism. You think, gosh, they look a lot alike. They do, and, and so they may have come. They from think that antibiotics actually still see the mitochondria as a form of bacteria and damage it. Right, because, because that's it, what antibiotics are for: is to, to, to actually kill bacteria. And if the mitochondria was derived from bacteria then it actually damages it. And you start getting mitochondrial damage, you can start setting up a host of problems. I mean, a host of problems. Yes, a lot. Now, yeah. a few of the problems that they specifically talked about on here, they said everyone knows that overuse of antibiotics cause digestive issues. Everybody oh, yeah. knows that. That's and they the even list, said right. your diarrhea, your ulcerative colitis, your, you know, everybody knows those. All right. Um, but the research they were doing showed that it was linked to obesity, food absorption, depression, immune function, sepsis, allergies, asthma. Yeah, and now, you know, the one biggie, I think, on that whole thing, I mean, granted, all those others are just as darn big if it happens to you, but think about that food absorption. So, in other words, when you take these antibiotics and you screw up the endothelium lining of the gut, you know, and now everything that you eat, you think, oh, gee, I'm eating a really good diet. Guess what? You can't absorb it. Yep. Wow. Now, that's, that's harsh. Now, one thing that, and this is not on this study, but we know from just what we do and what we see every day, mm-hmm. is after antibiotics use, something that's becoming really common, and it used to only be seen in the hospital setting, but it's not anymore, oh, is C. diff. C. diff, yeah. Clostridia and difficile. even right. had a baby in yeah. about a week ago that yeah. had C. diff after taking an antibiotic. And I'm yeah. like... It used to be people that were hospitalized for long periods of time right. could get C. diff after long-term use of antibiotics because it kills off all the beneficial bacteria, and then that one survived and thrives. Right. Well, we're seeing it in the 
average person walking around now. Now, and the bad thing about this, Janine, and I know that you know the, these folks out there, you know, you know who you are. Forty percent of all adults and seventy percent of all children have taken one or more antibiotics every year. Now, not only that, if you're going out and you're eating that chicken, yep. okay, guess what? 80% of all antibiotics made in the good old U.S. of A. are fed to animals. Yes. So in other words, and I've coined this one a long time ago. People don't, it's, it's hard to guess, but listen. You know, everybody says you are what you eat. No, no, no. You are what you eat ate. Whatever right. you eat, what it ate, that's what you are. And, and if it ate, uh, there's something like 30 million. If it million, took antibiotics constantly, which right. they do in animals nowadays, then you're getting antibiotics every time you eat them 30 million pounds a year or more that's why that's why we do suggest organic organic pasture raised right free range whatever absolutely no antibiotics yes you want to stay away from that you you get enough traces in the city water you get enough traces in the other areas all right next segment coming right up Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. There is a fact that we must all face, and that is that life happens. And many times it happens to involve different medical conditions. With the medical issues of life, there are at least a thousand different opinions on how to treat them. Not at Doctors Nutrition. At Doctors Nutrition, you get real answers that make sense. You get real information on how to treat medical conditions naturally and maybe even prevent the issue from coming back. At Doctors Nutrition, you'll get practical advice on how to improve the quality of your life naturally and nutritionally. You'll feel much more comfortable knowing that the doctors at Doctors Nutrition are working with you to treat your condition. You can find Doctors Nutrition online at doctorsnutrition.com or on Facebook. And for Dr. Jim's comments about the latest health issues, visit doctorsnutritionmedia.com for podcasts, complete live healthy, be healthy shows, and more. Start your homework online or call toll-free at 800-824-0194. That's 800-824-0194. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Live Healthy, Be Healthy with Dr. Janine Fox and Dr. Jim Fox. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. We also welcome your emails to jfox at doctorsnutrition.com. Now, back to Live Healthy, Be Healthy. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Live Healthy, Be Healthy. You know, tonight we, we named the show The Paul Show. Because, <laughs> it's kind of, that is funny, but anyhow, it's because we're going to talk about perimenopause, menopause, and andropause. We're going to talk we're about all of them. We're going to yeah. give them all equal billing tonight. There you go, equal billing. That's right. Uh, women get two-thirds. Well, I was going to say women <laughs> still get two-thirds. But, Men get yeah, one-third. That's okay. But it is such a big thing that we see is, is, you know, perimenopause first. I mean, that's what yes. we're going to talk about first. Yeah. What is perimenopause? Well, now, go ahead. I mean, it's, that, well, it's, it's the transitional stage between having a normal menstrual cycle and menopause. 
That's true. You know, it, it's in other words, once you reach a certain age, thirty-ish, <laughs> uh, thirty-five, whatever, somewhere along in there, your your hormones start to decrease somewhat, <clears throat> slightly, and. During that, that is what we call the perimenopause. And everybody's phase. different on what age. It can yes. be as early as 35. It can be as late as 45, 50. Yeah. I mean, everyone is different. Everybody. So when we talk about this, some of it may apply to you. Some of it may not because there's the lucky ones that don't have a lot of symptoms. Right. And, you know, the first thing I think that we see or what we probably see a lot is the irregular cycles. Yes, now, you can have that as a young girl, and it might not even be perimenopause. It might be just be a hormonal imbalance, and we're seeing more and more of those we're, as well. We're seeing a lot of that in the PCOS right. and so on, too. For, but right. what you start seeing at first, because a lot of people come in and talk to me. They all, a lot of them want to talk to me because I am female, mm-hmm. and they think what they're having is irregular. And I want to tell people it's not. Um, and what are the what what are the problems that people are having with their cycle, so that you know that you're not which what's happening mm-hmm. to you is not abnormal. And what a lot of women say is, I mean, there you can either be, you can actually start having a couple periods a month. Mm-hmm. A period shorter than a 21 day cycle mm-hmm. is irregular. Mm-hmm. A period longer than a really 35, but Over the, the 30, books will say yeah. 45 day yeah. cycle. Um, you can have heavy bleeding. You can have clots. That's what a lot of people think that that's just so abnormal and so, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I'm having, you know, clots. And I'm like, right. that's just really not that abnormal in the 40s. And they're like, really? And they think that it's actually just them. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, everybody thinks that you're going through this by yourself. But right. you're not. And you're not because it's just a, it's a regular thing. Mm-hmm. And usually now some people will just have regular cycles and one day quit. Now, they're the lucky ones, but that's that is probably ones. not the norm. Um no. There's more people that have the irregularities. Now, another irregularity is just extreme heavy bleeding. Right. Those are the ones you really got to be careful with the anemia. You do. We have actually had quite a few over the years that we've had to send for, you know, blood Blood transfusions. We get the lab work back and it's like, okay, you're going straight to the emergency room. Right. um, Because they're that anemic and it's actually life-threatening. It is. So it can be life-threatening with the heavy bleeding. So we do recommend, especially if you're having the heavy, heavy bleeding, Make sure you get your blood work done. Well, that's the only way you're going to know, you know, because a lot, a lot, like I say, we've had these folks, uh, females, a lot of, most of them, come in and, and they have extreme anemia, and they're still functional. I mean, they don't feel good. They don't feel good, but they're still, but they're walking, still walking and talking, and, talking and driving. Yeah. And, and it's kind of scary, but it they is. Are, so I always can, tell them yeah. if they are, do look like that, do not drive yourself. No, but they, they you know, that's if it comes on that gradually. You know, the only way you're going to know you're that anemic is to do the lab work. Right. That's it. The body accommodates. And we talked about anemias Mm -hmm. a a couple weeks ago. Um, So we actually had a whole show on anemias. We did. But there's definitely, that's one of the things that you see with perimenopause. Now, some of the other things are the insomnia. Oh, yeah. People start not sleeping as well. And they dreaded hair loss. And the hair loss. Mm. Now, hair loss is probably something that will bring women in quicker than anything. Because they don't want their hair to fall out. I don't blame them. I can't really... Are yeah, point? No. but it is a hormonal change. It's not even necessarily that you have to be in menopause. Now, of course, it's also associated with menopause, right. but a hormonal change in general. Mm-hmm. You know, they can have headaches, mm-hmm. fatigue, and the dreaded weight gain. Ah, we see an awful lot of that. Yes, that's probably, I mean, there's probably weight gain in our society anyway for all kind of reasons, but there's no doubt that in the 40s, it starts getting harder to lose. Right. Well, once it, once those hormones start changing, once you're, you know, once that, uh, you know, as we get in that age group, male or female, 
you know, that DHEA starts to go down, you know, your progesterone, the female start, progesterone starts to go down. And once that starts happening, yes, weight management is a bit of an issue. Yes. It really is. Um, you know, that you can have mood changes, anxiety, depression, which is a lot of people that live with you might start noticing those changes <laughs> before you do. Um, yes. That you're really moody or you get mad at people easy or you get agitated. Yes. So all that kind of goes with the hormonal issues as well. Mm-hmm. Now, vaginal dryness, dry eyes, decreased yeah. libido. Right. And... Some even have hot flashes. Now, hot flashes, everybody associates with menopause, but there can be hot flashes that start in, in perimenopause right. when the hormones start changing. Mm-hmm. Now, something that we see a lot is the fibroid tumors, which is actually an estrogen dominance. Because that uh, progesterone's dropping. Right. The first hormone that falls in perimenopause is your progesterone. Right. And when the progesterone falls, but the estrogen does not, then you actually have what they call estrogen dominance. That is also usually the people that have the, the couple cycles in a month, they tend to be estrogen dominant. And that's when they start doing things like unnecessary hysterectomy. Exactly. Now, ninety up to 90% of all hysterectomies in this country, and that's according to the medical right. information, is actually unnecessary. Um, I always tell all you women out there listening, don't just take it out. No. Because you don't want to deal with it because it just sets up another host of problems. Well, you know, taking that out is sort of like if the engine light comes on in your in your car and says check engine. And you you got two, I take it to a mechanic. He says, well, I'll give you two options. We can just cut the wire that goes to it or we can fix it. And, of course, you know, the easy way and the cheap way is to just cut the wire. <clears throat> well, that's the same thing as taking out your, your organs because that's your, you're basically eliminating the feedback mechanism or the signal to that your body something's wrong. Right. You simply take it out. So one, you haven't corrected the hormonal issue. You simply took out what that hormone is affecting, that being the uterus or whatever. Boom. Now you still got the hormone problem. So there's a, there, now there are some times where a hysterectomy is necessary. 10% some of the time yeah, at least. Right. Yeah. Um, some of the cancers. Oh, definitely. The hemorrhaging, when you're right. bleeding so heavy they cannot stop it. I mean, that's, that's actually another thing. I mean, and during childbirth, there's actually complications and mm-hmm. things that they have to take out parts because they're just trying to save your it, life. Right. Um, but just as a whole, I actually have had people, you know, that have come in, it's been minor things, and they've had their uterus removed. And then they come to us wanting to know what they can do for all these new problems that they have. Right. Which is a lot of times the decreased sensations, um, mm-hmm. decreased sexual, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Desire. Function, function I mean, and desire. I right. mean, there's so many different things. Even if the ovaries are still in, they start having other problems. I think I saw a statistic where 70% of people that had their uterus removed and the ovaries left had a personality change. Wow. And so that's a lot. That's a lot, isn't it? And, really? you know, at that point you think, well, they shouldn't have changed anything because they just took out the uterus, not the ovaries. But that uterus has got a feedback mechanism. It does. And they do know that the hormones tend to drop afterwards even if the ovaries are left in. Right. So, if, unless you've tried everything else first, and there are a lot of other things you can try. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that we use, we talked DIM. Oh, we had a whole show on DIM and, and how it you know changes hormone metabolism. Right. And even for the fibroids, mm-hmm. which is one reason we see a lot of hysterectomies done and a lot of the heavy bleeding mm-hmm. tends to come from fibroids. Um, there's a few things. DIM. Mm-hmm. which actually changes your estrogen metabolism. Mm-hmm. And if you want to listen to more about DIM, you can go to our show, a previous show that we had Dr. Zellig's on there, and it was called Safer Estrogen with Phytonutrition. 
And that's uh, actually archived. Yeah, it's archived, so you can go back and listen to mm-hmm. it. But DIM actually does help with the hormonal balance in general. So it does help with fibroids and endometriosis and things like that. Mm-hmm. Systemic enzymes can help shrink the fibroids. The Especially fem- those, and, and FEMPRO, which is FEMPRO, our FEMPRO, which is natural bioidentical, bioidentical progesterone. Right. And that actually helps a few things. The irregular right. cycles can be helped by DIM and FEMPRO. Yeah. Um, and, and, go ahead. You know, something else that, that starts happening about this time is bone loss. Oh, yeah. Now, bone yeah, loss, everybody thinks, find it till everybody thinks you know? about it being older women, and it's not. They've yeah. actually shown that the bone density starts going down probably in the younger years. They say around they, 30. And they actually say it's when the progesterone falls. Right. So everybody's always linked it to estrogen, but when the progesterone falls is when they start seeing it. Uh, and that's when you got to do stuff like your, uh, get, your hormone, get your hormones tested. Get, you know, if you need that uh, bioidentical progesterone, we can do that. Right. Also, looking at that DHEA content, that's a biggie. DHEA plays a role in the mood, the ability to handle stress. It actually helps with bone density. And when you start by talking about bone density, you know, you need to have that vitamin D level checked. One that we we talked about earlier. We just talked about that earlier, right? It's not just to prevent heart disease. It's also to prevent bone loss. Right. Um, We use a product called ADK2 because it has the other factors that help you utilize the D better. Right, the A. The, the A and, and the K2. K2. Right. So it's and actually really good for the bone losses. Right. Um, there's so many things you can do. That's why I tell right. people, don't just go out there and do something rash before you try something else. Even if it's depression, we have the 5-HTP, the SAME, we have stuff for anxiety. We have, you know, kava and theanine and GABA. And, and believe me, we use all those on these females because we do. we're having and, these issues. And right? it really, everybody's a little different on which one might work best for them. That's why we always recommend calling us, talking right. to us. And if you're having certain problems, let's see where the worst problems lie. And we can help and do some lab work. I mean, actually, we always stress doing lab work because also in perimenopause, you can start having some adrenal dysfunction you can have some thyroid dysfunction so there's other things that actually go along with it so it's about staying healthy isn't it it is i mean we recommend if you Hmm. and i think if you stay healthy you can go through menopause easier and go through the perimenopause stage easier much easier yeah we've seen that one ourselves over the years that the ones that we can look at the at the people females that come in if they are totally unhealthy and got all kind of issues going on they have all sorts of problems. Yes. Now, the healthier they are overall, you know, managing their weight, keeping their blood sugar under control, making sure their D levels are good, making sure all these other factors are good, their B12, et cetera, et cetera, making sure that they're staying healthy overall, they tend to have less problems when they go through these perimenopause and menopausal changes. Yep. But they really do. Th- I mean, honestly, probably women in their 40s is one of the biggest things that we see. Yeah. I mean, we do see a lot in That's menopause, it- and we're going to talk about that next, but yeah. we do see a lot. Now, we recommend we have something called the expanded panel, and we add hormones to it. And that's the panel that we recommend for people that come in that's actually in that age. Um, And they can have a lot of problems during that time. And, you know, yes, they can have a lot of problems because, like we said, the heavy bleeding can actually be life threatening. And when you start having changes and you're not used to them, you're kind of like, what's going on? Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. It's kind of scary, I guess, uh, you know, when these things start changing and and you, okay. But just know that there's something that can be done about it. That's the main thing. Yeah, definitely things that can be done about it. All right. In the next segment, we're going to move into menopause. (music) 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. There is a fact that we must all face. And that is that life happens. And many times it happens to involve different medical conditions. With the medical issues of life, there are at least a thousand different opinions on how to treat them. Not at Doctors Nutrition. At Doctors Nutrition, you get real answers that make sense. You get real information on how to treat medical conditions naturally. And maybe even prevent the issue from coming back. At Doctors Nutrition, you'll get practical advice on how to improve the quality of your life naturally and nutritionally. You'll feel much more comfortable knowing that the doctors at Doctors Nutrition are working with you to treat your condition. You can find Doctors Nutrition online at doctorsnutrition.com or on Facebook. And for Dr. Jim's comments about the latest health issues, visit doctorsnutritionmedia.com for podcasts, complete live healthy, be healthy shows, and more. Start your homework online or call toll-free at 800-824-0194. That's 800-824-0194. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Live Healthy, Be Healthy with Dr. Janine Fox and Dr. Jim Fox. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. We also welcome your emails to jfox at doctorsnutrition.com. Now, back to Live Healthy, Be Healthy. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, we're, this is the pause show, and we just started out with Act 1, which was perimenopause. Now, we're into the full-blown feature film, Menopause. menopause. Right. The dreaded change of life. But it's a natural occurrence. I mean, it is. this is something that's, that's going to happen. People always come in, you know, they, you can have a lot of symptoms. And yes. I always say, you know, you, you, you want to work on the symptoms and you want to have a better quality of life and you want to help things. Right. But menopause itself is not a disease. No, it's not. It's sometimes treated like a disease it in America. Is. But and it's not. unfortunately, it's going to happen to all of us, I mean, eventually. Yeah. Um, so it's just something that women do have to go through. Now, mm-hmm. men, not all men go through it, and we're going to talk about that next. Next. Right. Um, but women, they all do. Right. I mean, if you live long enough, you're going to go through menopause. That's true. Now, menopause is technically you are in menopause if you have not had a cycle for at least a year. Right. Now, a question I get a lot from women, and I answer it now. Um, during that year when they've skipped three or four cycles, mm-hmm. they're not technically finished with menopause. And yes, you can still get pregnant. Possibly. Possibly. So I do tell people until it's been at least a year, you don't want to take that chance if you're not really wanting a baby at that age. Um, now, we no. don't ever recommend birth control pills. No. And that's not something I ever, but there's other ways of birth control. Um, but... That is one thing that I get questioned a lot in women. I hadn't had a cycle in a couple of months. Does that mean I can't get pregnant? I'm like, no, because you no. might have that one month where you drop an egg. That's I mean, right. it might just happen and you don't know it That's because true. you haven't had a cycle and you haven't been regular. So I do want to tell people that that is still possible. It is not probable, but it is possible. Possibility. No, that's true. Yes, because, of Very course, true. the older you get the less your fertility goes down anyway. But it's still possible. That's why you see a lot of, you mm-hmm. see some 50-year-old moms 
with brand well, new babies. Every once in a while. Yeah, every do. once in a while. Yeah, so that's what menopause is. Now, what is the symptoms of menopause? Well, the dreaded hot flashes come to mind. Honestly, that's probably the thing that you hear the the most complaint about. Because yeah. even the sleep problems that go along with menopause is a lot of times because of the hot, the hot flashes. Because yeah. the hot flashes tend to be worse at night. Night sweats, they call them, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. there was just a study that came out a day or two ago. It was actually February 16th, and it was actually in JAMA that did kind of say, the, they, for years, some of the research tried to say, oh, hot flashes are very short in duration. And, of course, women will argue with you that that is not true. <laughs> right. And that's exactly what this study showed, that the symptoms of hot flashes can actually, in some women, last for seven or more years. Actually, the midpoint was about 7.4. Yes. So it can last 11 or 12. Or 11, 12 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can last a long time. Hmm. And for years, a lot of, I don't know, people were telling women that it, it didn't happen that way, and women were saying, I don't think so. Our mind's been going on for years. Now, another thing with menopause. Yes, they just found out. Science is finally catching up with what women do all along. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's things you can do for hot flashes. There's, there nat- there's natural things. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like some of the natural things that actually kind of trick the brain into thinking that it has hormones, but it doesn't. And that way, you don't have hormones. And when you do stop it years from now, the hot flashes aren't going to start right back. If you use the synthetic estrogens... Unfortunately, when you mm-hmm. stop them, even if it's 15 years after menopause, then the hot Finger. flashes start back up again. This is something you know that we see a lot. You know, the female has taken the uh, exogenous or outside estrogens for a long period of time and suddenly stops because the doc says, you know, you got a high risk of cancer, high risk of heart disease, whatever. You need to stop, and they do. And when they do, now like, they oh and they all say, God. oh my gosh, menopause yeah. should be over with. And I like yeah. menopause is a withdrawal from hormones and so you replace those hormones and so now you're starting it all over again you might be 55 or 60 yeah and whenever it happens now i've had them at 70 oh yes we get off the hormones and come in it's like i shouldn't be having hot flashes at 70 and i'm like were you on estrogen they were like well yeah and so and then they stopped it so Hot flashes, there's things that you can do. We have something called menopause essentials that works real well. We have something called... Menopause essentials is probably one of our big sellers because it's kind of a shotgun approach. It's got a little bit of everything. It does, but it does have soy. So if you can't do soy or you're allergic to soy, soy isoflavone. Yeah, then you could do metabalance. Metabalance is another very good one. And then we work with people, sometimes use iodine, sometimes use... I mean, there's just different things you can add. Now, something else that makes hot flashes worse is... High cortisol, which is your stress hormone. Oh, yes. And we see a lot of people that come in that might say, well, my hot flashes were gone for a year or two, and now they're back. And they didn't do any hormones in between. There's always an underlying problem starting them back. And it's usually, like, say, the adrenal function. And it's usually the thyroid, the adrenals, something like that. So I do say if you're one of those out there that the hot flashes come back after being gone, Mm -hmm. something else is going on in your body. Something Mm -hmm. else is triggering those menopause symptoms to come back. And it's usually something, like you said, like a, a thyroid could be dysfunctional, the adrenals. Uh, we see the adrenals involved in a lot in this because various things can cause those adrenals just to go haywire. Right. And when they do, um, you're, you're, there you are. Yeah. Now, some of the other symptoms of menopause, aches and pains, because hormones do help the joints. And you know, when, that, That's a biggie for DHEA. DHEA. When we check DHEA levels, it makes a huge difference because when huge. DHEA falls, it does make the joints hurt worse, and that's easy and cheap to supplement. 
Oh, it is. Probably so, one of the cheapest yeah. things we got to supplement. It is. Actually. Um, forgetfulness, headaches, again, the irritability and depression. You know, I, I think we see that. Now, believe it or not, you know, the forgetfulness or memory things, you probably don't think as much about, you know, kind of equating that with the menopausal situation. We see that one a lot. Yes. You know, the, these females come in and all of a sudden, what have you got for memory? It's really not the, well, it is for memory, but it's really not the memory thing that's going so fast. Is It's these hormonal changes. Yes. And, you know, we see this a lot. Their chief complaint will be, you know, I can't even remember where I put my car keys. But it's not necessarily that they're, and they always think, oh, my God, I'm getting Alzheimer's. No. No. Sometimes <laughs> Something it's just else a, is just, just going on. Right. Now, the vaginal dryness is another one that Ooh, we big that that gets we, we mentioned it in perimenopause because it might be mild, but menopause is when it really actually gets bad and you actually start having atrophy of the vaginal wall. Right. And that can and really it can be actually bad. be painful during intercourse and you can have other problems. So right. we do have a natural estrogen it, cream that well, you can use. It's estrial, which is yes. E three. There's actually three basic estrogens. Estrone, or E1, estradiol, or E2, and that's the one most, that's most common one, and then estriol, or E3, and that's what this is, is estriol. It's the weakest estrogen, it's so weakest. it causes the least amount of problems to use. Yeah, it's not associated with any of the bad stuff. No, it's not it really associated isn't. with bad things, and mm. so that's what we use, and it does actually work. Um, does so we have so. things for these problems. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, skin and hair changes. There's oh, yeah. things that you can do for that. Unfortunately, it may not ever be exactly like it was before. <laughs> well, if we ever come up with that, where we can make <laughs> it back like it was 25, oh boy. And um, then, again, the weight gain. Yes. Um, just like in perimenopause, yeah. menopause is even a little worse. And yeah, you can still keep your weight down. There's a lot of women past menopause that are not overweight. It's just you got to work a little harder. At you know, it. I, I think what it comes down to is this term, and most people don't like this term, but it's management. You have to manage this menopause stuff. You, right. You just simply have to do it. I mean, it's there. It's going to fluctuate. You have to manage it. And like I said, some women never see a thing. You know, it's rare, but they are out there. There's some that just go through menopause and they don't have a problem at all. And so... You know, and, and actually having a good attitude about it and trying to oh, you know make huge. the best of it is a big mm-hmm. thing because it's going to happen. And so if and it, I tell people, okay, if we've tried everything we got and done everything natural and you still are having such problems that you can't handle it, the bioidentical hormone replacement is a better choice than the synthetic. Yes. So I do say that. But even then, if you get heavy on that E2, yes. estradiol. You're going to put yourself at risk because of the heart disease and, and the cancer. So we always recommend yeah. trying the natural approach first. Oh, definitely. But there are other alternatives to the synthetic hormones. Right. There's no doubt about it. These hormones play a big role in, in, in life, just in general. And because they're a little, you know, Candace Pearl, a doctor that wrote a book one time, and I, I love the name of the book. It was called Messenger Molecules. And that's literally what they are. They're little messengers that run around the body telling things what to do and how to do it. And when some of them are gone, we got miscommunications. Yeah. You know, and that's what happens. In, in the body, you know, women have fluctuation in hormones her whole life. I mean, there's well, no doubt because during, during the monthly cycle, you're going to have hormones go up and down and up and down. Right. But, you know, usually at least they always go back up. Um, right. In menopause, of course, they're not. And, and there's different degrees. You can still make a little bit of estrogen mm-hmm. even after menopause. And a lot of people don't realize that. 
that even in the gut and some of the right. intestines and stuff, you can actually make some estrogen. The brain actually makes a small amount because it needs it. Now, right. occasionally we do lab, you know, when we do lab work, mm-hmm. we do a lot of lab work on menopausal woman, women. And there's a few that will come back where their you know, estrogen and their progesterone is undetectable. Right. They have the worst problems. No doubt about it. And no even doubt. some of the natural things like maca can actually stimulate your own production of a little bit of estrogen. We're never going to make it back to where it it was when you were having a cycle. Exactly. You can't trigger your own body to do that again, but you can trigger little production so that you can have some hormones. Right. And and, and I think that's the key to it, uh, Janine. Again, (laughs) again, it goes back to that thing called management, managing the symptoms, so to speak. And that's literally what we have to do. Uh, You have to manage these symptoms, giving things like Mm -hmm. maca. And we always... Kind of, if we do maca, we like to do the DIM at the same time just to make sure they're well, yeah. metabolized correctly. You want to keep the, the estrogen metabolism, and you don't want to increase. Right. You don't want to increase your estrogen and actually increase the risk of breast cancer or anything like that. Right. So that's where the and DIM, DIM is actually right. such a cancer prevention. Right. So even it's a good idea anyway. Now mm-hmm. a lot of women in premenopause take DIM, but we have a lot of postmenopause women take DIM. Um, DIM is just so protective of the, the um, cancers, the hormonal cancers. And, you know, other is. other risks, you know, after menopause is, of course, the osteoporosis. Right. But, you know, the heart attack, heart disease, high blood pressure, and stroke. Mm-hmm. And they used to think that replacing the hormones would help that, but they found that it doesn't. It actually might make it worse. It might make it worse, mm-hmm. exactly. But so that's why... Even in someone in menopausal years, we may even suggest adding some of the cardiac risk factors when they do their lab work. Uh, especially if they have a family history, family history of it. You know, especially if they sure. have a family history, because you yeah. always prevention is always better than waiting until something happens. Yeah. I mean, any time you have a family history, a strong family history, that means the genes are there, and it's about changing those epigenetics that we've talked about t- before. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do is change that, that pattern uh, and, and look and see if we can't prevent it. Because, you know, just because mom and dad had heart disease doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have the same thing at the same age. Yeah. You can prevent these things right. and push them off. And actually, just because you're in menopause and you start right. feeling terrible and you start having all these symptoms doesn't right. mean that you can't feel good again. That's right. Because we have people all the time that says, well, I guess I'm just old. And I'm like, that is not a reason to feel terrible all the time. No, it's not. So we, we help Especially people every day. Exactly. Right. And, you know, most women, the average age, I think they say, is around 51. That's average. It can start a lot younger, and it can go to older. So, you know, to yeah. me, that's not old. Yeah. Okay, we're going to be coming back in the next segment. We're going to be talking. We don't want to leave you guys out. We're going to be talking about andropause. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. There is a fact that we must all face, and that is that life happens. And many times it happens to involve different medical conditions. With the medical issues of life, there are at least a thousand different opinions on how to treat them. Not at Doctors Nutrition. At Doctors Nutrition, you get real answers that make sense. You get real information on how to treat medical conditions naturally and maybe even prevent the issue from coming back. At Doctors Nutrition, you'll get practical advice on how to improve the quality of your life naturally and nutritionally. 
You'll feel much more comfortable knowing that the doctors at Doctors Nutrition are working with you to treat your condition. You can find Doctors Nutrition online at doctorsnutrition.com or on Facebook. And for Dr. Jim's comments about the latest health issues, visit doctorsnutritionmedia.com for podcasts, complete live healthy, be healthy shows, and more. Start your homework online or call toll-free at 800-824-0194. That's 800-824-0194. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Live Healthy, Be Healthy with Dr. Janine Fox and Dr. Jim Fox. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. We also welcome your emails to jfox at doctorsnutrition.com. Now, back to Live Healthy, Be Healthy. And welcome back uh, to the Pause Show. Right now, we're going to delve into the male menopause, or actually it's called andropause. Andropause. Yeah. I don't like the term male menopause. Well, they're not really. Just a guy thing. Men are not like women, of course. It's not well defined, is it? No, it's not. And also, even when men, their testosterone goes down. Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't usually stop. Well, no, and it's usually a gradual thing. They actually say what's normal Mm -hmm. is about 1% per year after the age of 35. Hmm. And which means if if you live into your 80s, then you're going to be about 50% less than what you were. Right. But still, Still if you had good high testosterone, 50% might be okay. And men can actually still make sperm. They can still make... Hormones into well into their eighties if they're healthy and uh, everything's 80s, working 90s, right. right. Yeah, up, right up to the day you check out. Actually, exactly. So mm-hmm. men actually don't have to. This is not inevitable for men. No. I think there are things that we can do to actually keep it from happening and, and help it. But we are seeing more and more of it. Right. I, I think that we are. I mean, I think there's a, a actually an epidemic of it out there right now. Uh, from what we've seen, because we've tested, I mean, we test hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and, and it's just really common in guys if they're over thirty-five, and actually some of them even younger, some even younger, to have lowered testosterone, not necessarily abnormally low, but lowered down to the bottom end of what is called the normal range, which is pretty. It's low. rare that we see actually good high testosterone oh, that's real it is you know and because you know a lot of things get involved in this and we'll talk for just a second about diet I mean, back to that thing because you know and i always explain to these guys because they always say well i want something to get my testosterone up okay well one thing you got to do is to get rid of the beer belly yep okay stop eating sugar stop eating sugar because sugar increases insulin production insulin blocks a, a hormone called the LH, or luteinizing hormone. And luteinizing hormone is what tells the boys, the testicles, do your job, make testosterone. Right. And so when that happens... We are seeing a lot of the men that come in with mm-hmm. the lowest testosterone... High A1C... Actually have their... Metabolic Either syndrome, diabetic right. or pre-diabetic, right. or so their diet is what's causing it. So men, yes. you can eat better... And not maybe go through andropause. I, that's a and y'all are thing. lucky because women can't stop theirs. Nope, they I can't. I mean, eating healthy and stopping the sugar will help women maybe go through easier and Some, be yeah. healthier overall. Mm-hmm. But they can't stop it. You know, I think you can in men because we see it. I think you can. You know, and another thing too, and, and bring up just for a second, you're talking about dairy. 
Now, the dairy producers are not going to love us for this, but dairy carries a lot of hormones. Yes. And those, especially in some of the estrogens and so on. And those hormones, when they, especially that recombinant bovine growth hormone, that thing is one that we know has problems with the endocrine system, which is including your testosterone, guys. So my suggestion, get rid of the dairy right off the bat. Yeah. Now, okay, I've taken away sugar and dairy. Hmm. Not much left except the good foods. That's right. You can <laughs> eat lean meat and vegetables and nuts and seeds yeah. and good fat. And <laughs> yeah, you, you, <laughs> There's things you can eat. You can eat a lot of stuff, really. Yeah. Now, this stuff actually comes on, kind of, like I say, sometimes kind of gradually. But one of the things that we start seeing, one of the big symptoms is fatigue. Right. I'm so, I'm so tired. tired. <laughs> I hear that one often. I'm so tired, Doc. Okay. That's a biggie. And weakness. You know, the guy's going to the you know, well, maybe the right. guy hadn't been to the gym for a while, but he goes back to the gym, and all of a sudden he finds out that, you know, I can't do a set, three sets of 10 like I used to on a certain weight. Now, it's just going to have a problem. Men, as they age, do lose muscle tone and strength anyway, whether they like it or not. That is one of the things. But, but it's even more noticeable mm-hmm. when the testosterone falls. It's actually a... Very noticeable. Like real quick. Yes. And so men do come in complaining about that. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I'll see is definitely depression. Oh, God, yes. Uh, and, you know, I, I would say that we see probably it, the, the guys that have this andropause are starting to have these lowered testosterones. I think that's one of the big symptoms. But if you question them, you know, they'll actually admit, yeah. I mean, guys don't like to admit depression. Right. You know? They're, and sometimes they won't even talk about depression, but yet they'll have the symptoms. They don't. They had a hobby that they used to love doing, and they stopped. Or something in their life changed like that. And, and you know, the females usually pick up on it and say, "Well, gee, I feel depressed." Guys are just like, "Well, no, it's just, you know, no big deal." It is a big deal because yeah. that's telling you. And that's when we start doing these hormone tests. And believe it or not, we see so much of this, don't we? Yes, we, we do. Really and do. and a lot in men. You know, people don't think about the osteoporosis. No, but it's but there. But it is there because we are seeing more and more men with osteoporosis. We really do. Weight gain you do see in men. Oh, yeah. You see, even if they don't drink, they have a beer belly. Right. Well, that's that metabolic syndrome. Or a wheat belly or whatever, whatever you, you want to call, call it. it. Right. And, you know, but the thing, one of the things about, about that weight gain, too, is when that testosterone goes down, you weight start loss is not as easy as it once Kinda was. I like women. Welcome Say, to the club. Welcome to the club. Yeah, okay. I knew that one was coming. All right. <laughs> Memory loss is another biggie, too. These guys will tell you, like, I think I'm getting Alzheimer's. Everybody now in 45 and 50 years old thinks yeah. they're getting Alzheimer's, you know. But, uh, you know, the memory loss is another biggie because, oh, I just can't think of the way I used to. I'm not as sharp as I once was. goes back to those hormones. You know, that's a really big one. Increased, re- uh, reduced endurance. Yeah. You know? uh, not being able to go as far, not right. being able to exercise as long, or just getting tired. Work as much. Yeah. You know, they, they find that, you know, used to, they could work eight hours and, you know, they'd go, you know, jog five miles or whatever. Now they're, they make it home, they're doing okay. And you know? get on the couch and yeah. stop. And, you know, one of the things that they'll see an awful of is these sex problems. Yes. And guys, and guys, guys don't like to talk about this, but it's there. Uh, I usually get these these problems. Now, yes. the, the females go they to Janine. They want to talk to me. The guys, when they walk in and say, I only want to talk to a male, I know exactly I, what the problem is. I get the ED problems. Uh, it's erectile dysfunction. And, oh, my God, it is huge. You know, the, the guys are talking about, you know, I get, when they're when a guy's 18, let's face it, a spontaneous erection. You wake up in the morning, it's he's ready to go. They don't happen anymore. So that's a big, you know, all of a sudden, yeah. these guys realize something's changing. What is it? 
I mean, what, what's going on here? And like I said, ED is not always hormonal. No, it's not. It can not. actually be blood flow as well. That's what we always tell them. But a lot of times desire right. is hormonal. I usually ask them, you know, do you still have the desire? And if they say yes, then okay, it's probably not hormones. It's probably something else like blood flow. Or, and this is another one we see an awful lot of, these guys are on so many medications at that age. It's 35, 45 yeah. years old. And they've got ED. And you think, you know. A lot I, of it's side had, effects to medications. I had one just uh, last week or so come in. And the guy's on three different medications. And all three of them, I actually pulled it up on the computer and let him look. I said, all three of these have a known side effect of ED. Bingo. You've got three of them. I said, now, there's not a pill I can give you that's going to fix it. Yeah, well, he come to find out none of the stuff has helped him. So, anyhow, that's the kind of stuff that happens. But the hormones can be a real big problem. There's no doubt about that. Another one is insomnia. These guys all of a sudden start not sleeping well. Yeah, and that's not normal for men because, no. honestly, women tend to have more sleep problems than men anyway. Men usually yeah. can sleep with no problem. Oh, yeah. So, just... when they start having sleep problems, you, you do think of some hormonal changes as well. Right. Because that can make a difference. Right. And it's always a good idea that, you know, know, when you do these uh, hormone testing for men, check the prostate as well. Yeah. Because we start seeing a lot of these uh, symptoms of benign hypertrophy or the swelling of the prostate. Not necessarily prostate cancer, just swelling. And that causes that urgency, that And they get up a lot during the night, and then they don't sleep as well either. They don't sleep as well either, so, you know. So the lab testing, again, is not just important for the women, but important for men. Right. Um. We, you want to actually have that, all that checked. And actually, thyroid is one of the issues that can affect the hormones as well. And we don't ever see it checked in men as often as women. So no. I think that the doctors don't, men don't, I don't know, maybe they don't complain as much as women. So the doctors no. don't check their thyroid. I'm not sure. Well, if a woman gains two pounds, there's a lot of them out they there running. They want check. their thyroid check. Guys don't really think of it that way. You know, right. it's like, it's not, I mean, not necessarily something they think about that much. Can be a problem, though. Yeah. And there's no doubt. And when we do any of our big panels, it's going to have that thyroid function, male or female. Uh, either. Because it doesn't we see, matter. We see it's such a problem because of the endocrine disruptors in our society now. Oh, yeah. And in our food supply. Yeah. So there's things that can be done for y'all too, men. Yes. Um, there's, I mean, we have something called AndroBill that actually tries to trigger your own testicles to make testosterone again. So it actually is another one that actually stimulates your own body. And then looking at that DHEA, I mean, that's huge. DHEA is huge, and it's actually high. A little Men and women both have it, but it's a little higher in men than women. Right. And although it decreases with age, you still need it as you get older. Right. And, and that's well, one of the things that I guess one of the chief things that we see in men is low testosterone and low DHEA. Yes, and DHEA is a precursor to testosterone. Right. So it actually is, that's an easy one to actually increase when Mm -hmm. it's low. And so we always tell people you want to test, and you want to be on the high end for your age. You don't want to be on the low end for your age. That's right. You don't necessarily have to be like you were when you were 20, but you also don't want to be worse than everybody else of your same age. So that's kind of what we look at as well. Uh, that's that's a biggie, you know. Like I say, we we check these things, and like I say, we've got the the DHEA, you know, that we just simply give the amount that a person might need, you know, if that. And I like the DIM for men too. Now, well, just, yeah, I, you I, can I actually help the prostate. You, you can actually, help it, right? You know, help with the hormonal cancers in men. I right. mean, actually, some of the really good research on DIM is for prostate cancer. Prostate cancer. Uh, and women fact, don't I mean, have one of those. Last time I checked. Uh, nope. 
I don't have one of those. No. Nope. But you so, know, we have things, uh, even if they, if a guy's dealing with that depression and so on, we have things like 5-HTP and SAMe and all these things. You know? Yeah, so there's things that yeah. can be done. You don't have to live that way. Just call us. We can get your lab work done and see, see where to go from there. No, there is help. Yes. Okay, next week. We're going to be uh, talking with Dr. Cordain, yes, uh, the, the the guy that wrote the book called The Paleo Diet. We're going to be talking a lot more about diet next week, so join in with uh, next week. We're going to be talking about the Paleo Diet with Dr. Cordain. Because that can even help with hor- hormones as well. Oh, it certainly can. I'm sure it'll be a fun, fact-filled hour, so join us next week for The uh, Paleo Diet. Thank you for being a part of Live Healthy, Be Healthy this week. Please join Drs. Jim and Janine Fox next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to your better health.